Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We're going to continue our series, which we started a couple of weeks ago, called First Love. And in part one, we looked at the and and the order. I read from the book of Revelation, and we looked at the congratulations and rebuke that came to seven different churches, one in particular, the church of Ephesus. And they were commended for their good works, their good deeds. And, and, and uh, we know that God is into good works and good deeds, but there was a rebuke that went with it. They were kind of strongly rebuked for losing their intimacy, losing their first love, their passion. So they were doing what they were doing, but with wrong motive. And so we looked at the fact that it's not either or, it's not works or love or love or works, it's both and. But we've got to make sure we get the right order. It's not a matter of heart or hands, it's a matter of both and. But it's got to be heart before hands. What our hands find to do must be out of the overflow of our heart. Jesus said when tempted by the devil in Matthew chapter 4, while he was there in the desert, having fasted not 21 days, but 40 days, the Bible says he was hungry. That has got to be the biggest understatement in the Word of God. He didn't have smoothies. He didn't have any fruit juice. He just had water, if that, in the desert, was supernaturally sustained. And after 40 days, the devil came to him, tempted him. And on the third temptation, Jesus rebuked him and said, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. It's both worship and and service, not either or. It's always both, but we've got to get the right order. And Jesus said, worship the Lord your God, and out of worship comes service. If we serve God without worshipping Him, ultimately we will either burn out or give up. Every time, there are countless hundreds, thousands around Australia that once raised their hands, that once served Jesus with a glad heart, but then it became all about hands, it became all about works, it became all about good deeds and they lost their intimacy, they lost their worship and they burnt out or gave up and put a nice scripture to it, but I'm not fooled by their scriptures. I'm telling you, intimacy was lost. And Jesus said, and rightly so, it's worship first. Let our service, let everything that we do in life flow out of worship first. This 21-day fast for us is about putting God first, Jesus at the centre, getting first things first. And so if you are away or want to re-listen to that message, it's on our website or you can download it on our podcast. Uh, free of charge, you can do that. Today, my subtitle to our message, First Love, is more than believing. More than believing. You see, when I first met my wife, Kath, I liked her. In actual fact, yesterday was Valentine's Day. Who got a rose? Who got chocolate? Nice. <laughs> Who's not going to eat it till another 14 days? But yesterday was the 31st Valentine's Day that Kath and I spent together as a couple, which is kind of cool, 31 years, which is pretty awesome. 31. You say, man, how can that be? You don't even look 31 years of age, and you'd be right, but there you go. Not quite. 31 years. But when I first met her, honestly, I liked her. 
I don't know what it was like for you when you first met that man or woman of your dreams, but for me, I got all the stereotypical feelings. I had the fireworks, the sweaty palms, my heart raced. Um, because we were so young when we got together, I only got to see her once a week, Saturday night at roller skating. But I want to tell you, Saturday night could not come around quick enough for me. And on Saturday, I mean, Saturday dragged for me. I just could not wait to see this love of my life. She was cute as a button and I just loved being with her. And when I wasn't with her, I wanted to be with her. How many know what I'm talking about? It's called love. It's awesome. But over the years, I've got to know her. That was not meant to be a negative thing at all, was it? Sorry. Did not mean to come out like that at all. But I have, I've got to know her. I can pick her voice in a crowd. A lot of people can be talking and I can hear her voice. I know her scent. I can smell her when she's coming. I know when Cass has been around, I, I know her scent. My nose has become acclimatized to her scent. I can pick a voice in a crowd. I know her scent. I know her favorite color. I know her favorite song. I know her favourite meal. I even know the favourite shirt she loves me to be seen in. I'm not wearing it today, but her favourite shirt that I have is a blue t-shirt that I wear. It's the cheapest shirt I probably have in my wardrobe but every time I put it, she goes, man, I love that shirt. And I looked in the mirror and I said, I can see why. <laughs> but the point is, I, I know that about her. I can practically read her mind. When she's not there, I, I know what she'd do. I know her value system. I know how she thinks and processes things. My wife is very linear in her thinking. It's one, pause, two, pause, three, pause, four, pause. I'm the opposite of my wife. And so it's been fun working together over the last X amount of years as her thinking process and my thinking process is oh so different. I have numbers too in my thinking process, but they're all over the place. I can jump from one to 10, back to five, over to 14 and go back to two. And we have to learn to work that. I know how she thinks. We can practically finish each other's sentences, quite cute. We share a history. We've got so many stories, cool stories. We have experiences, and by God's grace, we've produced three incredible kids. We believe in each other. But more than that, we know each other. 
But despite how well we know each other, our intimacy continues to grow. And so we are continually learning to connect and communicate at deeper levels. And so I look forward to our 32nd Valentine's Day together. That gives me another 365 days to get to know her more. And I look forward to that. Our relationship is not getting tired. Our relationship is not getting stale. It's not getting boring. It continues to grow. It continues to deepen. The intensity of intimacy continues to increase. You know, if we was to have a survey in Australia today, and we asked random people on the street, do you believe in God or a universal spirit of some sort? I think we would come back with a high 90% answer that yes, I believe in God or a universal spirit. That being true, Scripture and culture would say that they don't actually know God. You've got to get this. I think if we were to do a survey, go up to some random person and say, do you believe in God or a universal spirit of some sort? Most people say, yes, I believe. But Scripture and culture or Scripture and their lifestyle would suggest they don't actually know Him. They might believe in a God out there somewhere, but their lifestyle, culture and Scripture would suggest that they do not know God. Not really. Not intimately. Not the way Jesus knew the Father and not the way the disciples knew Jesus. Paul, the author of much of the New Testament, wrote a book to a particular church in a particular region called Ephesus. And in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15, he writes, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the people, I have not stopped giving thanks to you, uh, thanks for you, remembering you in all my prayers. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gracious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. You've got to get this church. This is Paul penning a letter to a local church. A bunch of believers, people that are not far from God, people that know God. And yet his prayer is that they would know God better. My desire for this 21-day fast and for the rest of this year and ultimately for the rest of our lives is that we would go deeper in our relationship with God and know Him better. And so I have a few thoughts this morning that I want to quickly share with you. And my first one is simply this, that believing in God isn't the same as knowing God. Point number one, believing in God is not the same as knowing God. You see, you can can know God by reputation. I mean, I know Justin Bieber by reputation. Are you with me? But it doesn't mean I know him. I just know him by reputation. You can know God by reputation. You can know a bit about him. You can know a little bit about God because you grew up on some Bible stories like David and Goliath, Daniel and the lion's den, Moses and the parting of the Red Sea. You you may have known a little bit about him, 
based upon a little bit of history of him. Just like I know a little bit about Justin Bieber, based upon what I see in the newspaper. And right now, most of that is not good or healthy. But it still doesn't mean I know him. You might know God based upon some memories you have of him. In other words, when you were younger, you had an experience with God. You had a God encounter. There was a time in your life where there was a God drop and you somehow found yourself responding to Him, raising your hand, receiving Him, saying the sinner's prayer, reading your Bible, having an incredible moment and you can recall that. Maybe it was that moment when you were filled with the baptism in the Holy Spirit and you began to speak in tongues for the first time. Another memory. But that could be years ago for some of us. And there's been very little in between. Probably the best way to describe this is by highlighting the fact, how many of you had a best friend at school? Someone you don't even see anymore. But he was your best friend. I mean, when I got married, I had a best man. And, and that, that's pretty intimate. I mean, of all the people in the world to share that special day with you, I chose this particular gentleman to stand alongside me as I said my vows. We even took communion together. It was a special moment and there was definitely a special relationship. That's a memory I have. But if you were to ask me how well I know him now, I would have said, I don't really know him because I don't even see him. But I have a memory of him. But to say that I'm in intimate relationship with him to this day and I know his whims, his ways would be not true. And I think sometimes as Christians, we confuse what once was as though it is now. And it's not. This fast is about quickening something in the here and now so that we don't just live off yesterday's manner and yesterday's memories. That's why we always go on about the good old days because we try and bring back a memory. And we say, oh, if we say, I exalt thee, that's when the presence of God, no, that's when you were on fire. That's when you were in relationship. That's when you were intimate with God. It's got nothing to do with the song. It's got everything to do with the closeness that you had with Jesus. And that's what we want to get back. And when you're close with Jesus, it won't matter what song you sing. See, as an older man who has kids, when I'm in my car by myself, I listen to the music I like. But when I'm with my kids, I listen to the music they like. Because I love the interaction. I love the intimacy. I love the relationship. I love the fun that we have together. And so I would rather have that than my favourite music and everyone be silent and putting their own uh, ear pods in and, and, and doing their own thing. I would rather have the intimate action of communion and fellowship and relationship at the expense of my songs. But you know what? In doing that, their songs have become my songs. I'm down with Ed Sheeran. I'm down with it. I'd go to his concert with my son, Mitch. One Direction, yeah. But if my daughter loved them, I would love them. Thank God she doesn't. But Are you with me? Then there are those who know him intimately. They sense him in the here and now. And they seek after him with all their heart, with all their mind, with all their body, with all their soul. 
In Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. That's what this fast is about, us asking. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. Whoever seeks, will find. And whoever knocks, it's probably better I do it there. (laughs) The door will be opened. What you need to understand is when God plays hide and seek, He plays it like a good dad. And good dads play hide and seek to be found. You've got to get this. You've got to get this. He's not like, you know, okay, let's play hide and seek. Count to 10, I'll hide. And then just goes in heaven and never, you know, where did he go? How many dads out there have played hide and seek with your kids? And say, so, okay, and I've done this with all my kids. And I've done it with other kids, kids and what, other people's kids. And if we're going to play hide and seek, I want to count to 10. How do you, I can't count, I got five, three, whatever. Count to three, I'm going to hide. And I say one, I say no peeking. Two, I'm hiding like this. Because this is what good dads do. This is what our Heavenly Father is doing. He's hiding, but He's hiding to be found. He's not hiding because he's sick of you. He's not hiding because he's had enough of you. He's not hiding because he's bored with you. He's hiding because he wants to know what desire is in you to find him. And so he withdraws and hides, but he hides in such a way to be found. And if we would spend these 21 days just seeking, asking, knocking, I'm telling you, He will be found. Doors will be opened. And you'll be amazed at what comes into your world during this next season in our lives. So believing in God isn't the same as knowing God. Secondly, believing in God isn't enough. I'm here to categorically say today that believing in God is not enough. It can't sustain us. You might say, I believe in God. Surely that's enough. After all, I know people who don't even believe in God. Surely I'm better off than them. And maybe you are. But I know this to be true. Believing alone will not sustain you. It won't keep you. And the reason I know that is because in James chapter 2, verse 19, it says, You believe that there is one God? Good. But remember this. Even the demons believe that. P.S. They shudder. So if believing alone makes you a Christian, then every demon in heaven, in hell, is a Christian. The devil is a Christian based upon that train of thought. I believe, so I'm a Christian. But believing alone is not enough. See, I I believe we are in a season right now where Christianity is being redefined. Where Christianity is being put on the shelf and examined. Because we need to stop confusing Christianity with churchianity. Or to quote a good friend of mine, Pastor Danny Guglamucci, stop confusing Christians with churchians. 
He did a great teaching with our young people and I actually want him to come back and teach it to our church. But he talks about the difference between Christians and churchians. And here's a few headlines for you. It says, Churchians are churchgoers, but Christians are Christ followers. Churchians are inward looking, but Christians are outward looking. Churchians have personal outcome as their goal. Everything's about me and my. Whereas Christians have purpose outcome as their goal. Churchians are easily offended. And as a result, they take on other people's offence and it just gets messy real quick. But Christians are easily extended. Right now in our fast, we're being extended. We're being stretched. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. This is all about us having a stretch put on us. Because true Christianity knows what it is to be extended. Churchianity, we just get offended. I didn't like it when you said this. I didn't like it when you said that. Churchianity sees the need of others as obstacles. Christianity sees the needs of others as opportunity. Churchians are committed to friendship, but Christians are committed to discipleship. A churchian might believe in God, but they don't truly reflect who he is. Number three, believing in God won't change your life. See, what you need to understand, church, is that God cares about how we live. He cares how we live. And a relationship with God will flow out in daily behaviour and attitudes. In other words, knowledge of Him will affect every area of our life. When the Pharisees asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Jesus said, that's easy. It's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body and soul. In other words, when we're in relation with Him, it'll affect every area of our life. It'll affect us financially. What we do with our finances will be affected when we're in relationship with Him. What we do with our relationships will be affected and flow out of our intimacy and relationship with Him. Jesus intended that we would have a knowledge of Him and a relationship with Him that would affect every area of our lives. Not just on Sunday, but every day of our life. See, churchians just pretend on Sunday, whereas Christians know what it is to live for Him on Monday through to Saturday as well as Sunday. And again, that's the season we're in. We're decluttering in order to bring the main thing, the main thing. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 3 to 4, it says, We know that you have come to know Him if we keep His commands. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not do what He commands is a liar. The truth is not in that person. I mean, th- these are strong words. But I believe that they are truth spoken by someone who truly cares and wants the best for us. You see, in order to get to know God, it's going to take an effort on our part. 
been with Kath for 31 years. And to be honest, I've had to make an effort to get to know her. She's had to make an effort to get to know me. We've had to have conversations that aren't always pleasant. We've had to have conversations which are a little bit awkward at times. We've had to apologise when we've done the wrong thing. We've had to make an effort in order to increase our intimacy. We haven't just been together, together for 31 years and stayed at the same level of intimacy. It's got deeper because we've made an effort. And if we're going to go deep, we go, it's, it's going to take an effort on our part. We've got to you know, show some vulnerability. It's going to take some courage. It's going to take humility. It's going to, it's going to take something from us in order to press through this year. What I've shared being true, I want to ask two questions and then we're done this morning. And my first question is simply this, how well do you know God? You see, when I was in grade three, I fell in love with my grade three teacher. It was because of her that I actually enjoyed school for the first time. Up until then, I did not enjoy school. I got to grade three and for the first time ever, I liked school. And the reason I liked school was because I loved my teacher. She was tall. Um, to be honest, I don't know how tall she was, but I was just a little kid, so she was certainly taller than me. That made her tall in my eyes. And so she was tall. She had long blonde hair. She was pretty and she was so kind. And I, I just loved her. But the truth is, I didn't really know that much about her. I mean, I didn't even know her first name. She was just Miss Caney. I, I, I didn't know her second name. I didn't know where she lived. I didn't know, I didn't know a whole heap about her, but I declared an undying love for her. <laughs> but I didn't really know much about her at all. You see, in truth, I kind of sort of knew her. That's my point. I sort of knew her. And I think there's a lot of Christians today that sort of know God. And this is what Paul was addressing to the church in Galatia. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 8, Paul says, Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it, get this, that you're turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? See, when we sort of know God, we put ourselves in a, in a difficult position because we, we surround ourselves with an environment that God wants us to be in, but the love and the desire and the intimacy is not great enough to stop us falling away and back into what we used to do. Yeah. And so Paul would say, I have no doubt you know him, but the, the knowledge I have of him is not strong enough to hold you. You're meant to grow in your knowledge of Him. You're meant to grow in your love for Him. To stop you slipping back into those weak and miserable forces, those weak and miserable principles, those things that you vowed you don't want to do and, and will never do again, but now you find yourself doing them again. 
See, if we just stay with sort of knowing God, we're going to torment ourselves for the rest of our lives. And so we'll go to church, sort of know God, and that was good, but gee, I have this pull over here, and that was good, but you know what? I'm ruined now because now I do this, and I don't enjoy it like I should because I know I should be there. So we do the sort of God thing again, but, but that's not fully satisfying either. So we go back here, and, and now we go back to those weak and miserable principles. But you know what? We've had enough of God, so I'm not kind of satisfied here. And so we go over here, and every other week we're putting our hand up, responding to God, and then we say, oh, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. No, you will. While you remain a sort of Christian. You will. You will. If you don't make a decision to follow after God, that will be the rest of your life. God's ruined us for the world, but we don't have enough of Him to enjoy this. And it's my prayer that we go deeper in our relationship with God so that those weak and miserable principles would have less and less attraction and so less and less pull so we can get on with what God has called us to do. Maybe you're a sort of no God person. Maybe you once knew Him. Maybe you just don't know Him well now. Well, you're in the best possible place this morning. Question number two. Do you want to go deeper in your relationship with God? See, there are those that sort of know God and there are those that know God intimately. They serve Him with their whole heart. They love Him and His Word. And I think I shared this last week, but I'm going to share it again. We've got to see God's Word not just as a devotional that warms our heart, but we've got to see it as a directional that lights the path to which our feet shall tread. You can't just have the Bible as a devotional. Oh, that made me feel so good. And then do whatever you want to do. It's not just a devotional. It's also a directional. It says, this is the way. Walk in it. And those that love God and know Him, love His Word, and embrace it. I believe God wants us to get to a place where we share our lives with Him. That we're in constant dialogue, constant communication, constant conversation with Him. That's what God has in mind when He talks about being a follower of Him. When He talks about being a Christian, a Christ follower. See, people say to me, can you follow God and not go to church? And my question is simply this, can you be married and not go home? I mean, let's just take the spiritual element out for a minute, please. Because when we throw a spiritual analogy, we say you can't judge my heart. Let's just look at it practically for a minute. Can I really be married to my wife and then not go home? I, I think I can for a season. And with every day that I'm away, the intimacy gets less and less. And if I continue to stay away long enough, what happens, it ends up in separation and or divorce. And so is it possible to stay away from God's house and have more of God? I don't think it is. I really don't. 
I think that the fact that I want to get home to be with my wife. is the example of how much I actually love her and what I actually think of her. And so do you want to get close to God? There are some key indicators, the band can come up, on how well we know God. I don't have time to go into all of them, but I will use this one. What name does God go by for you? Who is God to you? See, what you call God is a reflection of your understanding of Him. You know, if someone rang me and said, is that Mr. Rainbow? Um, That would suggest the kind of knowledge that that person on the other end has of who I am. Very limited. Because no one who knows me knows I like to be called Mr. Rainbow. So that name suggests he doesn't really know me at all. There are others who might call me Pastor Tony, which would suggest they would have more knowledge than the person who called me Mr. Rainbow by virtue of the fact that they know what I do. But it wouldn't suggest that they know me too well because anyone who knew me well would know they don't really desire to be called Pastor Tony. There are others that call me Tony, which would suggest another level of intimacy and friendship and relationship. You see where I'm going with this? Then my good friends call me Tone. Then there's one person who calls me babe because I am a babe. (laughs) But but that title's reserved for one. And then there's three people that get to call me dad. And with each name comes a level of intimacy. So who's God to you? Is he the man Upstairs? Is that who he is to you, the man upstairs? Is he the old guy upstairs? That suggests you don't know him at all. See, Kath will never be my old lady. And my dad was never my old man. Because to me, that's disrespectful. When I think about what he did, I think about what my mum did for me as mum and dad. I think it becomes disrespectful to call them anything else but mum and dad. Kath will never be my old lady. She's my wife. She's my babe. And we vowed to stay together forever and get closer and closer with every day. So who is he to you? Is he your saviour? It's a great start. Saviour. Is he your healer? Is he your Lord? Some some are happy to have him as Saviour, but not as Lord. And that shows a lack of understanding. He's my Saviour. He's my healer. He's my Redeemer. He's my friend. He's my big brother. He's also my Lord. And God is my Father. 
So it's time to get honest with ourselves. That's what this fast is about. And if you don't know him, you can. And if you used to be close, you can again. See, getting to God, sorry, getting to know God isn't difficult at all. It's not a bunch of rules and regulations. Yes, God wants our obedience, but more than that, He wants our heart. He wants our heart. And the great thing is, as you get to know Him better, you'll change. You will. You'll change. He will empower you to do what you thought you could never do. I know plenty of people have given up smoking, but giving up smoking is not a prerequisite to becoming a Christian. But I know plenty of people who have been empowered by God to be able to do that out of relationship with Him. He'll empower you to do things you thought you'd never be able to do. There's many things I said I could never do that. What I'm doing this morning, I said I would never do that. But He's empowered me over the years to be able to do what I said I could never do. That's what a relationship with Him will do. It'll empower you to do what you never thought you could do. He will heal you from your past hurts. See, people who are holding on to their past hurts, I know there's issues and reasons for that, but essentially it's because we're holding on to them. And as we get to know Him more and more, the grip gets less and less. And things that used to bother us and hurt us so deeply and so dearly, God just comes and somewhere, I don't know where, I don't know when, but somehow that just doesn't bother me anymore. That's what He wants to do. Becoming a Christian, the prerequisite of becoming a Christian is not you've got to deal with your past first. No, it's a journey. And this is what I love about God. Sometimes He, he winks at certain things. He lets certain things go and, and, and deals with it five years later because you're now ready to deal with that thing. He was never saying it was right. He just let you get away with it for a season because now you're strong enough to deal with it. He's done that to me many, many times. Right now, I'm in a season where God is dealing with something in my life and I'm, I'm all about stopping that thing. I know God's on my case. But it was, a, it was a something I've been doing for a while. But God was seemingly just let it go. Not justifying it, but just letting it go. But now He says, now I want you to deal with it. Obedience is dealing with what God wants you to deal with when He wants you to deal with it. Because He'll give you the power to deal with that thing. So we don't want you here dealing with your smoking, your swearing, your bad attitude. You do want to deal with that at once. I mean, some people get that all done and dusted at once. But the others, it's kind of like one at a time. God's dealing with these things in our life. And I'm trusting this fast is going to highlight something. And we're going to say, man, after the fast, I've never done that thing again. Not because someone said you must and you better, but because you've just got closer to Jesus and you just don't want to do it anymore. Being married to my wife has changed me. I'm a changed man. I'm not under her thumb, but I'm a changed man. She hasn't made me do anything, but I'm just a changed man. I just realized from day one, um, the toilet seat issue, being married. I mean, I grew up in a home with two brothers and a dad. There was only one woman in the house. I mean, but I'm going to be honest with you. We didn't even know the toilet seat went down. It just stayed up all the time. And then I got married. And the percentages weren't in my favor anymore. Now it's 50-50 and, and she wants the toilet seat down. I'm like, what does it matter? 
It's just a toilet seat. That's a guy answer. But a man that loves his wife will say, you know what? It matters to her. And so I remember saying, this may seem ridiculous. I said, Lord, please help me. Remind me to put the toilet seat down. Help me. Because it's not an issue to me. I don't care if it's up, down. I don't care if it's off. I don't care if I never see another toilet seat in my life. That's my attitude. She said, please help me, Lord. And you know what? In that intimacy and relationship with him, it's amazing. I do my business. I'd walk out and God say, the toilet, I know the toilet seat. That's all right. That's the kind of relationship God wants with us. And if the God of the universe, I mean, isn't it amazing? People are crying out for all kinds of prayers. There's world wars happening and, and terrible situations. And people are crying out. And, and, and they really need God. And His God is so big. He's so vast. And He's so intimate. He's so kind. He actually wants to get in my little world over a toilet seat issue. Wow, what a God. He's not just massive that He can create all the universe, but He's intimate too. It's amazing the God that created all the stars and the planets created the ant and the atom. It's the same God. Then there's people saying, God, may India win the cricket today and all these prayers going up. It's just it's funny. What a God we serve. I believe when you get to know him better, you'll be able to forgive what you feel you can't forgive. That's what I'm believing for. Some of you, honestly, you need to let go of some things. I think we all do, but some of you, it's just, I can see it's hurting you. And if I can see it, how much more God? That unforgiveness, that bitterness. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting another person to die. It's only hurting you. pastor friend of mine rang me recently. I say recently, it was last year now. And he said, hey, Tony, I, I you know, um, haven't heard from you in a while. I just want to know if I've done anything to offend you. And I said, I appreciate you asking, but honestly, it's worse now. I'm not even thinking about you. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, I don't know if that offends you, but you know, I wasn't offended. And he goes, no, nah, thank you. I appreciate that. He said, but that's what I love about you. You're not one to hold grudges. You're not one to Live with unforgiveness. That's a trait that he's seen over my life. And I said, no, I appreciate that. Thank you. I said, but you know what? I said, it's not just because I love you. I actually love me more. I, I think I'm better than that. And I think you're better than that. And God says you're better than that. Let it go. Yeah. Let it go this year. Yeah. Walking with God will help you break the grip of materialism. During this 21-day fast, let's get to know God. And as we do, we're going to find we'll never be the same again. Amen. I could have presented this morning in so many different ways. But seriously, I, I want us to grab this opportunity. I want us to make the most of this time, this season of decluttering our lives, seeking Jesus with all we have. Thank you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 